Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. So all four MLB division series kicked off yesterday. And it did not take very long for something to happen that has literally, literally never happened before. And if we're talking Major League Baseball and something happens that has never happened before when they've played that sport for like a thousand years, that's pretty incredible. And yet, here we are. Here the bleep we are. Here we are. It happened in H-Town where Jordan Alvarez found himself in that proverbial dream backyard situation. You know, the one where every last one of us, as a kid, had a wiffle ball bat in our hands, and it played out in our minds. Like, literally everybody listening had that moment as a kid. I'm willing to guarantee every last person listening, bottom of the ninth, down two runs, two on, two men out, and then this. Alvarez launches deep right field, and this one is gone, and the Astros walk him off in game one. Jordan Alvarez, are you kidding me? Incredible. TBS, I mean, dude did not just walk it off. He blasted its ass to Mars. And that was not just the most epic Astros moment since they trash-banged their way to a World Series five years ago. That was one of the most epic moments in the history of Major League Baseball's postseason. Because like I said, it literally had never happened. Literally. It's going to sound crazy, but that is an absolute fact. No player has ever hit a playoff walk-off bomb while trailing by multiple runs. I mean, I know that sounds wrong. I know that sounds impossible, but that's actually true. Believe it. Somehow, someway, that is true. That had never happened in the history of the sport. I mean, I don't even know how to describe this. I need help. I need help to process this. I need help to put this in its proper context. I need the right person to help me with this. Where do I go? How do I process this? Oh, wait, I know. I need an assist from Double Rainbow Guy. He Whoa. can help with this. Oh, my God. Dude. Oh, my God. What's your reaction? Oh, my God. Nobody had ever done this. Nobody had ever done this before, Rainbow. Dude, what's your reaction? Wow. Right? Right, yeah. Rainbow Dude? Oh. Seriously. Oh. My man gets it. You might. You oh might not, God. but my man gets it. So that was the first postseason walk-off by a team trailing in the ninth since Joe Carter in the 93 World Series. Oh, my God. Right? Are you old enough to remember? I know exactly where I was. I remember where I was when I watched Joe Carter walk it off. In Palm Springs, hanging out. In a home that we rented, watching that, and I couldn't believe it. I don't know what's more shocking, that or the fact that that was 1993. Rainbow guy, pick me up. How amazing was that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's only the second walk-off bomb in postseason history by a team down to its final out. And you all know the last one. Gibson off Eck. 
in game one of the 88 series. Hey, Rainbow Guy, where were you when that happened? Dude, I know you were not in one of those cars beyond the outfield wall with the red taillights on. Rainbow Guy, you never left your seat. You were there, dude. You were there when Gibson went yard. My man. Hey, you want to talk epic? You want to talk Ionic? Shout out to the Astros social media team rising to the occasion by tweeting out the home run with the words, who is your daddy? Y-O-R-D-A-D-D-Y. Who is your daddy? In fact, I got to say, it was a big day for your daddy smack. We will circle back to that. But while we're on this topic of crazy things that never happen and teams squaring off against their daddies, why don't we talk Padres Dodgers, where something absurdly rare and absolutely incredible happened at the stadium last night. And it's happening right now as we speak. You're going to want to be sitting down for this. You ready? Here it goes. Yes, it rained yesterday. I know, right? Absolutely bananas. It rained. Water fell out of the sky and hit the ground. And the amazing thing is, it did. It put the water in the ground. The amazing thing is, the Dodgers. See, everybody thinks that they just kind of buy their divisional titles. They buy their championships. They're not built the right way. Wrong. They managed to overcome the incredible adversity that is rainfall. Because in this town, there may no be, there may be no greater adversity than rainfall. But the Dodgers, they dug deep. They embraced the suck that is precipitation. And they held on for a 5-3 win. I'm not sure how they did it, but they did it. Then again, hard to blame the Padres because they're from the same region. We are not used to this kind of adversity. We are not used to water just falling out of the sky. And I'm sure they all thought to themselves... What the hell is happening? I mean, what are we what are we even doing here? What are we doing here? Like what am I doing here? Where where is this water coming from? Is there a gigantic faucet in the sky? What are we doing? Like what are we doing here? And anyway, honestly, nothing during the actual game measured up to what Big Poppy did in the Fox Studio afterwards when he dropped this scud on the entire city of San Diego. The reality is that when you're playing against your daddy, you need to try to do something. <laughs> you have you to try to do something Bobby. different, Kevin. You can just keep continue having the same approach. You don't know what you're going to do. You need to try something different. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I totally agree with Frank and so right. You have to do something different because, first of all, you're playing against... One of the best offensively team in the whole baseball. And you are 5 and 15 against this guy. You got to try something different. I mean, dudes, it was funny, but it wasn't that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that the city of San Diego needs another reason to go against the city of Los Angeles. Because pretty much nobody not named San Francisco hates L.A. as much as San Diego hates L.A. I know. I know because I was born in L.A. and I lived and worked in San Diego. So I know that hate. I do. But the thing is, 
as much as that angers San Diego, and although that was not nearly as funny as those other youngsters thought it was, playing against your daddy, Poppy's you not wrong. <laughs> like, that's the funniest bleep ever. I mean, Poppy's a good dude and really funny, but not that funny. But he's right. He's not wrong. Right now, the Dodgers are their daddy. The Padres are 5-15 and 15 this season against the Dodgers. So whatever they're trying to do to beat their daddy clearly is not working. At least there was no daddy talk in the Yankees-Guardians game. There was something somehow even worse. Much worse. There was Garrett Cole talk. We know what happens whenever that guy tries to speak. And don't get me wrong. He did pitch his ass off last night. But of course, he managed to ram his own foot into his own mouth, much to the delight, I'm sure, of Rex Ryan. Foot, foot feet, feet, toes, toes, foot, foot, feet. Before the game, game, game. So Cole gets all riled up. Well, he was fine. He got everybody else all riled up over some quotes that dropped in The Athletic yesterday about how hard his life is as a $324 million Yankee ace. Quote, It'd be very nice to be living at home, playing with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I could be spending today grilling burgers and drinking beer and gambling on football games. Instead, I'm here at Yankee Stadium throwing a bullpen at 10 effing 40 a.m. But we've got the LDS coming up, and I'm pumped. End of quote? I don't even know what to make of that. I mean, that's like Kermit the Frog shading trout and Otani for living down here in beautiful Orange County and just putting their feet up and coasting. Well, he's patting himself on the back for getting a workout in at, quote, 10 effing 40 a.m. My dude, what a warrior. What a grinder. Actually, the bleep is this guy even talking about? I mean that honestly. Like, what the hell does any of that even mean? That bleep right there makes even less sense then this bleep right here. Um, I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know if uh, Christy Alley. I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation Awkward. of players to this generation of players, and. Um, global warming. You know, I, I think uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds Awkward. in that regard, and uh, and uh, stood pretty, stood pretty firm in, in terms of that. The thing is, this is exactly what you signed up for when you put your name on the line that is dotted on Yankee letterhead. The hell are you talking about? And why are you dragging Otani and Trout into this? Was that like an attempted humor? I mean, especially Otani. You probably should keep that guy's name out your mouth. His ERA was more than a full run lower than yours. He had a better record than you did. I don't know if you want to be talking about, quote, grilling burgers and drinking beer and gambling on football games. Oh, one more thing. 
Shohei, he also hit 34 home runs, even though he was just chilling and being a slacker back home in the OC. But I will say this, in defense of Cole, you cannot question this dude's grind. I mean, he's out there getting it in and doing work at 10.40 a.m. Garrett Cole works while the rest of the world sleeps. I mean, seriously, whenever this dude opens up his mouth, the strangest, cringiest bleep just comes flying out. Like bleep that nobody wants to hear. And yet somehow, some way, that's not even the strangest, cringiest bleep a Yankee pitcher has said or done this week. Because in case you missed it, Araldis Chapman literally quit on the team. Literally. Not figuratively, not, you know, just kind of checked out mentally. He quit on the team. He quit. Right before the playoffs, dude was supposed to throw a live BP session last Friday and then just no-showed, went AWOL, threw up deuces, and took off from Miami, which is yet another thing that this postseason has already provided that I can't ever remember happening. Dude just bounced. Like, that was that. Just like I can't remember a time when Philly fan was in a better mood than right now. Philly, you knew I was not going to forget about you because y'all got one win closer to your celebratory horse pie sando by beating back the defending champs in game one. Man, Philly fan, how good is it to be you right now? Seriously. How good is it to be Philly fan right now and to see a game-saving diving catch in shallow right field by Castellanos? And the pitch. Swung on, line towards right field. Coming off Castellanos. Still coming. He dives, and he got it! Nick Castellanos with a full-out dive has made the catch in right field for the second out. What a catch. Rainbow dude. Reaction. Castellanos struggled all year, then in game one against the Braves. He goes three for three by the fourth inning and then provides defensive heroics in the ninth. And his explanation of that catch was even better than the catch itself. Walk us through what you saw on that play. Well, I mean, I saw him swing and then I saw him hit it and it was just going towards me and I ran and caught it as best I could. You see, Kermit, Whoa. it really is that easy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is a clear and concise explanation. See ball, run towards ball, catch ball, drop mic. It's that easy. It's actually possible to open up your mouth without making everybody's ears bleed and their heads explode. All in all, good job, good effort, good first day. Of the division series. Good luck topping any of that over the next month. Hey now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Of course. Can I tell you, I'm starving after every workout. So, this time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender. And it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously. And you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried-out, 
rough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness. Teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those who like to take things up a notch. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see exactly what you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Sean Alexander, my man, Sean, how you doing, dude? Brother, I'm doing good, man. This is exciting, man, and I'm good to see you again. It is so good to see you and so good to get caught up. Let's talk about how exciting this is. You are going to become the 15th member of the Seattle Seahawks Ring of Honor. What a great distinction. How hyped are you for it, and what does the honor represent to you, Sean? Man, it's uh, super exciting. I just think, like, you know, when I first came to the stadium, I'd see, like, Steve Largent's name, you know what I mean? And, and then to get to play with the late, great Cortez Kennedy, you know, defensive tackle to win defensive player of the year, you know? And so so to be with those guys, Walter Jones, who is my left tackle, um, it's just uh, amazing, a great honor. You know, you you play the game and, you know, in my case, want to score a bunch of touchdowns and uh, and and do as well as you did in high school and in college. And to uh, to be honored in this kind of way is just special. Sean Alexander joining us. Sean, because you mentioned Tez, let me follow up. I, I love the big fella. I loved him. He was great. What a great player. What a great dude. Do you have a favorite Cortez Kennedy story you could share? I mean, I've had so many. Um, you know, I, I remember playing in uh, a preseason game, and coach to just give the be everybody focused and be there. And I'm I'm a rookie, so I'm I'm about to go on the field, and I come I come on the sideline, I see the defense going to field. I know Tez is not going in because obviously he was was great. And I look over there and I see him eating a hot dog. You know, I me mean? talking about three seven. Don't tell nobody. <laughs> you know, but that was Tez. Like I'm on the field, just a great brother um, off the field. You know, him and Ricky waters i remember um also my rookie year um meeting at tez's house before uh before like the first game of the season um uh and it was second game of the season our first home game and him just talking about doing it right making sure that your money's in the right place to help your family making sure that you are the person that you want to be and like it always works out for those people and out of all the people everybody be like cortez and ricky waters were the guys that said that to you and i was like man they were they were great for me uh so it was uh it was wonderful just so many great memories for him uh just as a person on and off the field sean alexander joining us i appreciate your thoughts on him also sean this is about you but you mentioned ricky waters i'm gonna say this too also one of my favorite guys man i loved rick i loved watching him play i loved talking to him what was ricky like as a guy and a teammate well, you know, everybody knows, like, my second year, Ricky gets hurt. I go and I start. It's like 172 touchdowns. Next game, 145, another touchdown. And uh, and the coach sits down and says, man, Ricky was hurt. Sean, we drafted you in the first round to be this guy, but I got to decide between the two y'all. And Ricky had become big brother, one of the closest friends I had in the team, you know, and uh, and he's got to pick a guy. And I'm I'm over here like being like, he's got to be me. Like, what are, we, what are we talking about here? You know, and they they decided to go to Ricky. I'm upset. And I'm just like, really? Come on. Like, this doesn't make sense. And Ricky lets Coach Hunger walk out. And he and he he sits there with me for like another 10 minutes. And we just talk about life and football. 
And he's like, do not let this make you have make any mistakes with who you're going to be for this team. He goes, he goes, I kind of hated loving you so much at Alabama because everybody I really loved, we always drafted. And um, and so he like talked me out of like not letting my emotions go go away with, with what's going to happen. He goes off and, and he starts the next two games and and then he gets hurt. And then I come in and my career goes the way it goes. And we are still like this because I honored him and he just continued to point me to go be great whenever it's my turn, be even better than that. And so Ricky was just amazing. So passionate, so raw, but very smart. He knew what he was doing all the time. And uh, and uh, I think that was part of the image um, that he wanted. And it, and it helped me um, go be the person I was supposed to be. It's another great story. Sean Alexander joining us. You know, Sean, you talk about scoring touchdowns. That was never an issue. You always had a nose and a knack for finding the back of the end zone. In fact, you had arguably the most dominant half of football in NFL history when you scored five TDs in the first half against the Vikings in 2002. That day, when you woke up or you arrived at the stadium or even when you were stretching out, did you have any idea that you were on the verge of something that extraordinary that day? You know, there was a couple of things that was happening. You know, um, number one, that was our second game at that stadium. It was, so we finally built the that stadium. And so it was going to be our second game there. Um, we lost the first one. And I just thought, we can't lose here. It's going against Randy Moss. And, and I tell the story all the time. Like, there was no cell phones when you're in high school. He was the best player in West Virginia. I'm from Kentucky. Charles Woodson was from Ohio. We were the best. We were the three Mr. Footballs of those three states. We're going to all the same games, but we would just see each other when we saw each other. But everybody had already made Randy Moss the greatest offensive weapon. I was like, he's not the greatest offensive weapon. I'm going to be the greatest offensive weapon. And so I was already coming in angst to be that, to not only just be great, but to be better than Randy Moss. And and uh, that game fell in to just a perfect motion. You know, we threw that 80-yard screen I caught and, and a couple of punt uh, kickoffs that the kickoff returner fumbled. And next thing you know, I got five touchdowns in the same half. It was it was wonderful. Have you ever experienced the flavor of actual live fire cooking? We're not talking about a fire pit in the backyard. This is about the big green egg, the ultimate cooking experience. An egg is the most versatile grill you will ever own. You can grill, roast, smoke, sear, and even bake. No joke. Try a pizza on the egg. It is incredible. Stop wasting money on grills that you replace every few years. We've all been there and done that. Forget the pellets and the knockoffs too. Listen to me. Roll with an authentic big green egg, a ceramic marvel backed by a lifetime warranty. It is simple to light, easy to use, and it works without a power source. There's no need to plug it in. With the playoffs and holidays approaching, you cannot beat a smoked turkey on an egg. It also makes an amazing gift, and they have two models that are perfect for tailgating. The best part is you can have it delivered to your house for free from a local dealer in your community. You heard me. Shop online at BigGreenEgg.com and have it sent to your house for free. That's BigGreenEgg.com, and you will thank me later. Sean Alexander joining us. You know, with you, Sean, it's always going to be family first. That's a given. That's understood. Yeah. What about your football family? Like you mentioned some of the guys that you saw when you first got there. I have to think, because you were a beloved teammate, there's got to be some guys that are going to be there for you to help you represent this weekend. Who do you expect to be there from the football family to share this great weekend with you? 
Well, I'm already excited. I've already talked with Ricky Waters. He's going to come. And then uh, I talked with uh, uh, Big Walt, uh, um, Walter Jones. And then I also talked with Sean Lockley. That was my left and right tackles. Um, they're going to be there. Lofa Tatupu, who was the, he was the baby rookie that came in our, the year we went to the Super Bowl and I won the MVP. Um, you know, Daryl Jackson uh, is coming. I've talked with Bobby Ingram. He's congratulated. He's the offensive coordinator with the uh, uh, with the uh, Wisconsin Badgers now. So I've talked with Hasselbeck already. It's been just amazing, um, the love, because, you know, everybody gets married and you go off and you have your kids and you're living your life outside of football. But to be able to be able to connect back with some of the guys, it's been really amazing. You know, Sean Alexander joining us. It's going to be a big weekend. You know, I know you're really tight. You've always been really tight with Russell Wilson, but you and Geno Smith were teammates. When you or when you look at Geno himself, I should say, when he Geno's famously said, Sean, that everybody wrote me off, but I didn't write back. When you see what he's doing right now for the Seahawks, are you at all surprised? And what do you make of his play? I'm I'm, I'm impressed. I'm so proud of him, you know, to be able to be the guy at the Jets and then all of a sudden you lose the job and then you you go back up to other very great football quarterbacks. It's easy to kind of get in your mode that you're just going to be a backup. And then you see Geno's like, nope, I've got my opportunity. Y'all think this is a competition. I'm going to win it all. And uh, and he's got really the Seahawk nation believing that we're good enough to even fight and possibly get in the playoffs because <laughs> they're one or two couple moves to, to really get in there. And you know that second half of the season is going to be a lot about health and which other guy, skill guy on offense and defense is going to make big plays and big games to win those one or two games. And he's given an opportunity to be um, even in the conversation for playoffs, and it's, it makes it pretty exciting. So really quickly, Sean, what about Russ? When you see Russ right now, he's obviously not playing his best ball, far from it. Do you see a guy who's just adjusting to a new system, a new coach, a new situation? Or frankly, maybe is he just not the player he used to be? Because as we all know, father time is undefeated. What do you see when you see him? Yeah, Father Time is undefeated, and I've been through that myself. But I feel like for him, he's got five five good years left still. So I just think it's just new coach, um, you know, new receivers, even new 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 style running backs. I mean, you you go from a, a person like Marshawn Lynch into to, to you know to the guys now. It's just everything's just different, and so you 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 he's he hears something from a coach, and he could think one thing the way it was done in Seattle. And it could be done totally different. And so I, I've told him, just like I'm going to keep on telling him, um, you be you. There was something about you that Pete Carroll believed in from day one to say, you're going to be a rookie and you're going to be able to lead this great band of players to the Super Bowl. And he did it quickly. And there was always a fighting chance. Um, and I think that that's who he still is. And so he has to just now get used to the players around him, the coaches around him, hearing what he needs to hear and then going and being who he is on that football field. Yeah, Sean, you know, you mentioned running backs. He's with different running backs right now. The game has changed so much. In fact, the position itself has changed to a certain extent. Like when you played the game, you were somebody who routinely found the end zone. You could get downhill. You could catch passes out of the backfield. You were a league MVP. So the game changes, but when you watch the game right now, are there any backs that you watch that remind you of you? You know, the guy, the two guys I, I love the most, of course, um, Derek Henry is like my nephew. You know, he's a band when he comes there. So big, fast, strong. I love Derek. But the two guys that that I love that I have no bias with is Nick Chubb of Cleveland and, uh, and Dalvin Cook uh, in Minnesota. They 
you can circle the offense around them. They can run downhill in between the tackles. They can run screens and get little little dump pass and turn them into big plays. They score touchdowns and they control the clock. That's a good football running back. And um, and so I love those two guys. They they do they control the game the way that I think it should be done. They they remind me of the the mentality and even some of the things that they do with the ball in their hands the way I do it. And so, um, so yeah, so those are my two guys. I get that. So big weekend. Let me ask you this. It's hard for a lot of guys to make that transition to regular life after the cheering stops and they've got to find the next thing in their life. You've done a really, really good job at that. In fact, you had a system and a plan for it. You came up with the five F's and you applied it to your life and you teach it to others. What are the five F's? Yeah, so I start the the professional leadership program. Uh, I call it the five P's. It's really to help any influencer or leader learn how to master the five F's. And the five F's are family, uh, fame, future, finances, uh, and friends. And so I always walk them through, well, man, how do you handle fame? How do you handle people talking about you? What is your real identity? What's what's going on with your family? What's the family culture that you want to create? Um, friends, who are really intimate, who are close, who are just casual, who are acquaintances. And this includes coaches, this includes GMs, this includes lawyers, this includes agents, this includes your buddies you grew up with. Um, what is that real, what does that really friendship culture look like? Finances, how do you make money and spend money? I, I try to explain to people that every time you spend money, you're investing, whether it's a suit for you, you're investing yourself, whether it's a, uh, investing in your future, that's what savings are, and then, or you invest in other people and it's okay. Um, but investing in your mom, investing in, uh, your dad, investing in your homeboys you grew up with, they're just different forms of investment and how to balance all that out. And then, um, and then the last one is the future. Like, what kind of future, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And I believe that everybody, especially guys in the NFL, um, you, you see the numbers. 78% are broke two years after they retire. 80% are separated from their wives or divorced or, or they're in unhealthy relationships. I'm like, no, we have a wonderful opportunity to live a life with money in our pocket and I don't want to scare anybody, but we usually get to pick the the highest of the girls that we want. Like, you know, we like everybody gets to pick like the dream girl. And like, and I know I did, um, you know, when you get to pick the dream girl, like, man, how do we live a life that we could actually keep her and make her a queen and, and still be the king of the throne? And so I get to walk guys through all of those things. And, and, and I get to say like, man, at the end of the day, we get to leave a legacy and we get a great advantage to start that. What kind of a community influencer are you going to be? And uh, and uh, and I, I show them how to partner with great people to help them do that, impact communities, and also be great at being them. There you it's, go. It's been a wonderful thing. I started when I retired, and uh, and and after I retired, Roger Goodell, of all people, when he first became commissioner, he asked me, "What am I doing?" I said, "I I basically walk people through the five Fs," and he right? said, "You should put that on paper." So I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said it, 48 hours. It's incredible. And on top of that, Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and it's clean on your skin and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you are on the go. And... Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. You know you got to have that. You have to moisturize. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin as well. Truly, take advantage of that. You've got to moisturize. 
Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel all day. So it's been three days since the Giants had that enormous win over Green Bay in London, and it was big. They trailed big. They were big-time dogs going in, and they fly across the pond, and they find a way to come back, and they win that game. That's a big win, a really big win for the Giants, who are a really good story. Except none of you were talking about that. None of you are talking about the big come-from-behind win. None of you are talking about what it represents. None of you are talking about the fact that the Giants, of all teams, are 4-1 and one, and one of the best stories in the NFL. You're not about that. And you know why? Because you're not about that life. You know why? You're really not even about football. No, you're way more concerned about Darnay Holmes and how or what he did to celebrate that big dub. And you can't seem to stop tweeting and talking about that vid that makes him a lock as a first ballot viral Hall of Famer. And yes, I will admit, you're not the only ones. Even some of his teammates are jumping into the discussion about my fellow Calabasas High School alum. Yeah, no, Alvy. That's not helping me make my point, Alvin. Squire's not helping. It's not helping kids or adults. Deloro. It's hurting them, man. Alvy. The hell are you doing? Not appropriate and not even accurate. Beavis Deloro. Butthead Deloro. Listen. This is not what was going on. Now, if you have not seen the video, and if you've got a set of eyes, and you own a phone, there's no way you haven't seen the video. But if for some reason you have not seen it, it's Holmes being worked on by a trainer on the sideline instead of inside of a tent. But because I know, no, not Mahomes, just Holmes. Mahomes? Because I know how many of you morons operate. Yo, Holmes, smell you later. Damn, Alvin, whose side are you on? Mine or theirs? Just asking. <laughs> Yo, Holmes, smell you later. Yo, Holmes, smell you later. Anyway, because I know how many of you morons, you included, Alvy, I know how you operate, I know how you think. Your gutter minds immediately went to dude getting work on his personal, possible, potential tent. Personal tent. Just pretty, I said it. His personal tent. Then again, if you are, again, you are not alone. Even some of his teammates were joining in on the fun even guys in his own DB room, like Julian Love, who was chopping it up with my dudes, Tiki and Tierney. Love admitted he was just as curious as everybody else as to what type of treatment Darnay was getting right there, front and center, on the sideline. Before we got on the plane, I think Graham Gano showed me. And he's like, dude, what, what, what is this? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. I knew I was going to just instantly blow up. I'm like, dang, Darnay, you're getting freaky on the sideline? I don't know what's going on. First of all, his, his ass is hanging out. 
and that's that's part of it. Too. I'm like, dude, why don't you block yourself? You see the pants <laughs> right behind or something. You. Like usually when you like have to do something that you know requires you like you know, pull on your pants or do something like something like that, you uh, you get covered. But he was you know he was just trying to get it done as quick as possible. Apparently, <laughs> my dude's like, what, what, what? Like so, dude is still dying of laughter. Quote. Ending that what? as quickly as possible. Ending what as quickly as possible? Ending that as quickly as possible. What, ending that as happy as possible? Didn't want any of that? I mean, I can't believe his own teammates are having a field day at the expense of my fellow Calabasas coyote. Well, actually, yes, I can. Everybody is. Hey, laugh the hell away, y'all. Have a ball. Laugh the hell away. Because while, ball. while you're laughing, Darnay is doing exactly what all of us educated folk from Calabasas always do. We are turning awkward opportunities awkward. into business opportunities. Hey, business business. Awkward moments into business opportunities. Awkward. Hell yes, we are. Hell yes, we do. And hell yes, Darnay is doing the same thing right now. Laugh at him all you want because my man is laughing all the way to the bank. Yesterday, he tweeted, quote, y'all need to chill. The tent wasn't available. He wrote with a laughing emoji. He then added, and I quote, everybody's having so much fun with this vid, so I decided to team up with Memento NFT and turn it into an NFT. Gonna give away some signed balls and do some live streams too. End of quote. And can I say, boom, that's how it's done, D. That's how we do it in the 818. That's how we do it in Calabasas. My guy is going to give away signed balls and turn that viral moment into an NFT. You better believe he is. And for those of you who still do not understand, that is code for he just put a price on a priceless moment, Jack Wagons. I knew he'd get the last laugh. I knew it. I knew he would. I knew he would because that's what we coyotes do. Calabasas coyotes. We're not from Chatsworth High. We're from Calabasas High, damn it. We didn't go to Van Nuys High. So feel free to put some respect on Calabasas High, haters. That's how we do it. We make the best out of awkward and bad situations. And then we get paid for it. The worst situations you can imagine, we simply flip them on their head and we get paid. And don't you idiots come in here and try and prove me wrong and call me a hypocrite by mentioning the Menendez bros. Brother. And saying how, yeah, Rome, that was a pretty bad situation, remember? Remember that time the Menendez bros shotgunned their parents? That seemed like a pretty bad situation. Did they turn that into a cash cow? Well, honestly, yes. For the time being, yes. But I'm not defending that. What I'm saying to you is, those murderers were never one of us. Those murderers were not about Calabasas. 
or Calabasas High School. Yes, they did attend, but not for four years because they weren't us. Those murderers are more Jersey and Beverly Hills High School than they are Calabasas High School. You see, we're not about that life in the 818. We've covered this a million times. They shotgunned their parents in cold blood in Beverly Hills, not in Calabasas. So I'm not having that. I will not accept Calabasas slander on this show. Yes, I am now in the 949. Yes, I left the 818 many years ago. However, 818 for life. I came up in the 818. I spent many a year on the boulevard in the 818. I played Little League Baseball at Sherman Oaks Little League. I lived, worked, played, partied, did it all in the 818. 818 for life. And darn it, my dude, I know you get it already. You clearly understand. You're one of us. We're one of you and you're one of us. But my man, just in case, just in case you need to hear it from somebody who was there long before you were. I mean, yo, not only did I play in Sherman Oaks Little League, the Sportsman's Lodge is where we had our banquet every single year. Where do you think I got those little miniature screwdrivers as a gift, a going away present? You know how many thousands of cans of peanuts I sold as a kid in the 818 to finance those stupid little screwdrivers? Anyway, darn it, my dude. Don't listen to the haters. You get that money, big dog. From one proud alum to another, you represent everything that is right about the coyote culture. Always seeing the glass half full. You take an awkward situation where the world thinks they're clowning you and you turn it on its head and you get paid, dog. Couldn't be more proud of you. That's what it's about. Keep laughing, clones. Keep laughing, dopes, because <laughs> the Calabasas Coyote class of 2017, Darnay Holmes, can't hear you. You know why he can't hear you? Because there's too much damn money in his damn ears. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. There's too much money in my f***ing head. I can't hear you. Can't he can't hear you. Darnay can't hear you. He cannot hear you. There's too much bleeping money in his damn ears. You know what this comes down to? Here's what he and every great Calabasas Coyote already know. We, we will not be defined by a single moment. He already decided, I will not be defined by that moment. Not only will he not be defined by it, he will get paid for it. Darnay refused to be defined by that moment because that's what we do. We take an embarrassing situation, we turn it on its head, and we turn it into cash. You know who should be embarrassed? I'll tell you who should be embarrassed. Not my dude. Not Darnay, but the NFL. Seriously, Raj, are you listening to your players? Did you hear what Darnay said? Quote, a tent was not available. That's why he was getting that action on the sideline. Because there was no tent. I, I mean, are you kidding me? You can't pony up for an extra blue tent for each sideline? 
the NFL, which generates billions, billions and billions and billions, couldn't have some intern mix in a run to a Dick Sporting Goods or what? They don't have a Big Five or a Bass Pro Shop in London? Hey, Raj, I thought the Shield was all about protecting their players. Dude, send an intern out for a couple of fold-up tents. Protect your players, Raj. Darnay, my man, you keep representing. I could not be more proud of you. That's how we do it. That's how we roll at Calabasas High School. Other famous alums, too many to even announce. I can remember one year, none other than Brett Saberhagen was the baseball coach for Calabasas. And Sabes hit me up. He said, yo, yo, Romy, you went here, right? I'm like, damn straight I did. He's like, you want to help me fund that ballpark? You want to buy a brick or two? Sabes, I said, of course. How much? I I don't remember how much they were. I don't remember how many I bought. And no, clones, the Menendez brothers did not go get the bricks and brick their parents. They shotgunned them, and they did it in Beverly Hills. It was not over the hill in the valley. Stop misrepresenting us and our high school. Darnay, you rule, bro. I got you. I got you. I hope this works its way back to him, too. Because we coyote, exactly, 818 for life. We coyotes stick together. Attention small business owners with five to 500 employees. Have you heard of the employee retention credit? You may have overpaid on your payroll taxes. To find out if you qualify, call Omega Accounting Solutions right now. A trusted advocate for small businesses since 2007, Omega has mastered the ERC process to help small business owners recoup paid payroll taxes during the pandemic. To date, Omega has recovered over $400 million in ERC cash for small businesses that were disrupted or shut down during the COVID-19 pandemic. That is up to 26000 per employee and only 10 minutes of your time to see whether or not you qualify. The time to take advantage of this exclusive tax credit is now before the IRS filing window closes or the funds run out. Trust in Omega, a passionate team of seasoned accountants who are on a mission to help you get back the money that you need and deserve. For a free ERC evaluation or if you have any questions about the process, chat with an Omega expert today by calling 800-704-2000 or go to omegataxcredits.com for more information. He is Deontay Wilder. Deontay, it's been a minute or two since you and I have spoken. How are you doing and how has camp gone? Uh, man, <clears throat> camp has been amazing. You know, um, it's, 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 it's been a fun camp. You know, sometimes I've been in, uh, sometimes you can do things over and over again for many years and it becomes um, something that you, that you do, you know, become boring, I would uh, um, say, until it gets to a point where, you know, you just need to change up a certain things and, and make make it fun again for you. And that's what we have done this this particular camp. We've have, we changed locations. Um, I was going from Vegas to Alabama, ending my camp in Alabama. And um, it would just made certain things um, fun again. And uh, we changed up a little things and uh, uh, and and brought out a certain parts of me, you know. So this fight, a lot of people are gonna uh, 
maybe think that uh, I've changed up certain things, but it hasn't been nothing that changed. We just bring it more out of me, you know what I mean? Certain things that, that we didn't have to use, we're just bringing it out and and, and um, being able to display it come October the 15th. So uh, I can't wait. The, the fans is in for a treat, as they always is, you know, when you when you – have Deontay in the in the uh, in the scenery, you're gonna expect nothing but greatness. We're talking to the Bronze Bomber, you know. So when you say the fans are in for a treat, let me ask you something: Is it enough to win this fight and move on to the next thing, or do you need to win this fight a certain way? Do you need to put on a show for the fans? Well, I just think I just um, the, the main goal is to win. You know, I don't I don't want to put no pressure on myself uh, and, and say I need to win in a certain fashion. But, you know, the fans, uh, you know, they always have expected certain things of me. And uh, when you talk about Deontay Wilder, you can't not think about knockouts. You know, that's what I, <laughs> that's what I bring to the table, and that's what the excitement has been built, especially for the heavyweight division, about knockouts. And I, I, does, I definitely does that well. So, but, you know, I definitely want to win in spectacular fashion. Uh, I want to get the fans what they want to see. But I'm not going to put no pressure on myself. Um, this second phase of my uh, career, we're tightening it as, man, we're just going to have fun. Whatever we do, it's going to be all about fun. And John, that's what I look to have uh, in the ring come you, you uh, Saturday know, night. Sorry to interrupt you. I was going to jump in and ask you, Deontay, because our time is kind of tight. But when you talk about the second phase of your career, the last couple of years that remain within your career, you talk about things that may have changed or not changed. Has your why changed? Your why, when you and I have spoken in the past, your why obviously, absolutely, was always about family. Has that why changed at all? Um, my why hasn't changed. You know, um, I'm always going to do it for my family and my loved ones that support me and love me the most and things that I do. You know, um, I think this phase is more more uh, for the people, you know, being a true um, people's champion. Um, I was 85% out at one point in time, 15% in. And uh, what made me make the decision is really just uh, come back and, and, and provide my, my, my service to my greatness is when um, I had the unveiling of my statue. And to see so many people around the world to come and, and, and join hand in hand and, and celebrate this uh, special moment with me and my, my family, it was, uh, it was an incredible feeling to see men and women share tears, especially men in front of their children, and point at me and say, this is what a true leader looked like. This is what a, what a, what a uh, king looked like. This is what a, uh, uh, um, someone that, that uh, motivates you look just like this, who you should be like. And to see that, you know, it, it was an amazing feeling because most of the time, us men, especially black men, we're taught to, to show no weakness, show no love, for love will get you killed, you know. And But I always say, you know, it's okay to cry. There's nothing wrong with crying for crying is only a cleansing, you know, and to see that emotion spread out throughout the men and the women in there that allowed me to understand, man, I'm very important um, to, to the world, and uh, I want to dedicate three more years to my profession and, and give so much motivation and inspiration to people all over the world and let them know that we all have greatness in us, for greatness is only determined by service. All right, so when you talk about that statue, what you're talking about is an unveiling of your statue in your home in Tuscaloosa. I can tell how emotional that was for you. Deontay, when you just said that I was 85% out and only 15% in, what was going on at that point? What what put you in a place or what led to you being 85% out? What were you dealing with? I'm just, I just looked at the point of I've been so successful in my career 
you know, I obtained so much um, greatness um, in and out of my career. You know, uh, my financials is uh, is amazing. And I just feel like I ain't have nothing else to prove. So, you know, most of the time, um, fighters, we get into this business because we're in poverty. We're in a situation where we're looking for financial gain to get our family out of a certain situation. And I've done all that, you know, and I, I, I promised my daughter when she was two that I'll be a world champion and be able to support her beyond her belief. And I've done that um, tremendously for her and along with uh, 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 her sisters and brothers. So I just felt like I was accomplished. I was complete that I didn't, I didn't really need the business anymore. And, uh, you know, until the revealing of the statue, you know, and I felt like it is just really not about me anymore, my family anymore. It's about others as well. I care about people. I love, I'm a people's person. So I love people, all people. And I always want to see people do great in life. Well, even if they do better than I, I'm happy for you. And, um, that was, you know, a big decision for me. I had a uh, meeting with my family. And I asked them what they felt about it. My children, they smiled. They smiled uh, from ear to ear. They had big smiles on their faces. And, you know, they were, they loved seeing that daddy in action. And my wife, she was like, babe, you know, whatever you decide to do, I'm, I'm 100% behind you and, and I support you. So I already got the okay from the family to come back and, and provide my, my service to the greatness. And here I am, my second phase of my career. One last time, three more years, baby. And uh, and I'm out. I like it. You sound great. The energy is great. The fight's going to be against Robert Hellenius. It's Saturday night at Barclays Center in New York. It is a pay-per-view event. I've been talking about it all week long on how to get that pay-per-view event. He's got 41 wins by knockout, a bronze medalist. He is the former WBC heavyweight champion of the world, and he is back. Deontay Wilder fighting Saturday night pay-per-view. Deontay, great to have you back. Really appreciate the conversation and eager to see how you look on Saturday. Good luck this weekend. Oh, man, thank you so much, and love, peace, and may y'all guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. You can't see me on TV because we went away for hour number three, but you can hear this. That is the sound of me knocking on the giant plastic tower of beef, which means it is time to beef. And I can run this thing as long as I want. My show. Run his ass down. I can run his ass down. The way this works, you hit me up with a beef. You can beef about anybody, anything, sports, non-sports, whatever. I don't even care. Whatever is bothering you, whatever you have a beef about, bring it to me. You might actually convert that beef into a free pay-per-view. I've got four of those still to give away. Let's get started. Man, I'm hoping those call beefs are as good as they were last week. They're never as good as the social media beefs. But they were good in and of themselves last week. We'll get there. But first, this. This one's going to set the tone. Dear Rome, I have beef with my wife. Uh-oh. That's going to set the tone. Uh-oh. I have beef with my wife. She takes every great recipe we get and substitutes every single ingredient for something healthier. By the end, there is no taste left, and it looks like something that was already eaten. Not to mention, my pants are too big for me now, and I have more energy than ever, which she expects me to use spending time with her. Johnny in Green Bay, wow. That had a lot of twists and turns. Hey, John. Way to lead off, A.B. Strike three looking, John. Backwards K, John. 
Here, Rome. My beef is with does pull-ups public transportation guy. Breaking news, homie. Doing a pull-up on a train can in no possible way make you look any cooler. Just enjoy the ride quietly, and please don't show up your midriff again. I see enough hair and flab than I care to witness each day already. Jeff from PDX, that's different. Haven't heard that one before. Does pull-ups public transportation guy. Granted, and I'm not judging, I don't do public transportation very often. But I would imagine, I, I don't know, does that happen? Is that a real thing? Or are you making that up, dude? Does he get down and do crunches right after? Is he doing the downward dog too? Is he getting his yoga in? Is he rolling out his yoga mat on his ride to work? Cheyenne tweets, My beef is with my boyfriend who insists on playing the Jim Rome show every single morning through his Bluetooth speaker on max volume. Oh, it's Saturday. Don't worry. We'll be listening to a replay. Everything I know about Jim has been against my will. War Lady Clones? War Lady Clones. I don't know. No offense, Cheyenne, but you don't win. Bruno in the Bay. I I did say whatever your beef is, though. Man, she is screwed. Not only does she have to listen every single day, he makes her listen to a replay on Saturdays. That's like the Scrub Saturday show for you. Cheyenne, I don't know about you, no offense, but your boyfriend sounds like a great dude. You're lucky. You better not let him get away, Cheyenne. Found, sounds like you found Mr. Right. Bruno in the Bay. Rome. Rome on the range. My beef is with my wrestling partner. When she and I are wrestling, we use the safe word orange, like the fruit. Well, when I scream orange, she claims it's the color orange, not the fruit, and keeps trying to pin me. Wore a less ambiguous safe word. Wow, dude. As always, daytime radio. Daytime terrestrial radio let's not get into safe words and the ambiguity of the safe word bruno get a less ambiguous safe word like frisco bruno in the bay that's a good one for you frisco my beef is with safety meetings do we really need to waste the first hour and a half of my workday talking about what to do and where to go in the case of a fire? You leave the building and you call 911, moron. Even grade schoolers know that. Joel in Montana. Jim, my beef is with my dog. She's a bloodhound and a good girl, but she's extremely messy. We keep a towel in every room to clean up the slobber she slings all over the house. Recently, a coworker told me that I have something in my hair. It was a 10-inch string of dried dog spit festooning from the top of my head to my shirt collar. I don't know how many people saw it during the day or what they thought it possibly was, but a full-body slobber check is now a part of my morning routine. Brian in Detroit, that's good. 
Maybe festooning is a good word on this show. Is it good enough for a pay-per-view? Not quite, but close, dude. Close. Festooning. This says, I have beef with the guy who takes over the golf cart. The guy wearing orange shorts and a blue shirt because he graduated from the University of Florida in the 90s, and they have a game this weekend. He takes control of the cart. He's the driver. He plays his music, always country, always drives to his ball first, has no idea where your ball is, and talks about how great his last round was because today he sucks. He's out of the cart first when the cart girl comes by ordering a six-pack and talking it up with a girl half his age. He's got no game on or off the course. War Jerry Jones bites. They get better with every win. Jeff in Truckee. It's good, Jeff. It's too long, but it's good. Brad writes... My beef is with myself. I slept through three alarms this morning, and I missed my flight to Louisville. War declaring bankruptcy after four hours in an airport bar. Unweak or unwar weak pours of Blanton's at PDX. That's bourbon. Dude, that's good. Is it PPV good? Not quite. Bruno is back for more. He writes, roaming at the mouth. My beef is with the guy who told me burrito in Spanish for little ass. Or burrito is Spanish for little ass. Look, I know what a burro is. I don't need you ruining burritos for me. Now, every time I'm trying to enjoy a burrito, I'm reminded of that convo, and I can't disassociate the two. Hey, Rome. Here's my beef. We had a birthday party for my daughter at the house, and she invited a few friends. Most parents just dropped off their kids and left, but one kid's entire freaking family stayed for the party. Both obese parents, two fat brothers, an aunt, and what looked to be a 100-year-old grandmother. So now I'm buying pizza for 10 kids plus three generations of this freeloading loser family. Chad from Orlando. There you go. Give him a pay-per-view. I like that, Chad. There you go. There's a winner right there. My man earned it. He deserved it. And that family, man. How about y'all? Comfortable much? Freeloaders? Here you go, Chad. Congrats. All right, so now I've got three left. Bell B's got one. Chad from Orlando has a pay-per-view. JPR, I have a beef with my iPhone notifying me that I should turn my music volume down. I'm a grown-ass man. When I'm grilling with a cold beer in my hand and I'm bumping the mighty Van Halen, The only way is all the way turned up. That's a big come on. Jeff C and NC. That's good. I like that. Not good enough for a pay-per-view, but good. Not good. The only way is all the way turned up. Rum slice. What's my beef? Establishments that put the cigarette ashtray slash pole right next to the entrance. Nice move. Now I have to walk through a cloud of smoke and also walk in the same orbit of these desperate lung dart addicts. 
Put those damn things as far away from the door as possible. Gee off. Rome, my beef is with adults who wear Crocs. Sharing a footwear style with your child is not a bonding experience. You look like an ass. Evan in C-Town. Jimmers. I got beef with giant truck guy. You're not fooling us with your lifted, studded, tired, 8 MPG, giant flag waving, two-wheel drive, truck nut sporting clown car. How about shaving that neck beard, brushing (laughs) brushing your tooth, and joining society, you poser? Abby in San Diego. Howdy, gal. War lady clones. Hey, Jim, my beef is with people who can't bend over to tie their shoes. If you need to buy special shoes that you can step into because that bread basket of yours won't allow you to bend your torso more than 10 degrees, you have more to worry about than shoes. Note to Lumpy Rutherford. Lose the slippers, mix in a salad. Jim and Temecula. Man, they just keep coming. Rich, my beef, lazy craft brewers. Making IPAs instead of other beers. Nothing worse than hitting a brew pub with a menu of 10 dopey IPAs on tap. And trust me, you slacker, knit cap, man bun, beer nerd. They all taste like biting a grapefruit pine tree sando. Learn how to make a lager. It's pretty good. Romy, my beef is with motorcycle bags. And their motorcycle awareness month catchphrase, look twice, save a life. We wouldn't need to look twice if these wannabe sons of anarchy weren't weaving in and out of traffic with their fat, leather-clad cow old lady obstructing their mirrors or riding side by side in the lane like a newlywed biker couple with one of them inevitably riding directly on the center line hey bags how about you look twice and save your own life by obeying local traffic laws and turning your 50,000-watt radio blaring Leonard Skinner the hell down. Gary and the D. Detroit. Not that dump Dallas. Oh, dude, you're on the line. You're close, man. I like that. I like that. Paul Romneal. My beef is with Disney dork complaining about the rising prices of Disneyland. Hey, Disney dweeb. They raise the prices because they know pea brains like you will keep paying and promoting their product. Go buy some Q-tips, clean out your Mickey ears, and listen to this. Stop going, loser. You're 45, you're unemployed, and you have not been touched by the opposite sex since Walt first hit the ice. V in the fee. War redemption. You're on your way back, V. That was strong. You're playing. You know the crowd you're playing to, V. You know I think they're losers also. I see what you did there, V. 
You know that I think that anybody over the age of 12 who's obsessed with Disneyland is a loser. And yes, I have friends who are listening right now that fit that category. They're going to get all weird the next time I see them. You know what? I accept that. You know why? Because I think you're freaking weird. If you're 50 or you're 60 or you're 70 and you're still obsessed with Disneyland and you're not going there for the grandkids, you're, you're weird, man. I'm sorry. You just are. You know what? I'm not sorry. V, that will not get you a pay-per-view, but that will get you redemption. You're back in the game, V. At Pride of Detroit tweets, my beef is with James Kelly. This guy tweets out winners, but in no particular order without stating the winner. Pick your game up, head. Bro, that, that's not a valid complaint. We do a pod. We bust our ass on the pod. The pod is doing very well. We are picking lots of winners. We're making money for you. Stop acting like it's our fault. Just listen. At the very end of our pod or his segment on the pod, I always ask him to, quote, run it back, head, and do it slowly because for whatever reason, there's still a couple of people that can't follow what you're saying. Come on, man. We're sharing the games that we're picking. If you want the free money, you need to come and get it. I'm not going to show up at your door and drop the picks off for you. The pod is free, but you have to listen to it. We're doing the work. What the hell do you want from me? We're putting in hours and hours to create the best content and give you the best picks possible. Not good enough, Rome. Drive to my house, knock on my door, and drop the picks off in my hands. Hey, Rome, I got a better idea. Just make the bets for me and then bring me my money. Hey, Rome, why don't you get your ass on an airplane? Come to my house. I will give you my phone and you can put the bets in for me. You're welcome, Rome. Come. Hey, Rome, how about this? How about we just skip the bets altogether and you just give me free money? Why don't you just stroke me a check every week, Rome? Screw you and your podcast. Hey, Rome, why don't you give me a thousand bucks a week because I need the money? Come on, man. Stop being so lazy. Stop being an ingrate. We're doing work here and we're getting you paid. And all I'm asking in return is that you download and listen to something very entertaining and very funny. No, Rome, I want to counter that. I have a better idea. Instead of me listening to all your podcasts and the work you're putting in, how about you just give me 50 grand? Sounds like a good deal. Yeah, that's not going to win you a pay-per-view. Hey, Turtleneck Tan Man, my beef is with the stupid idiot D-bag, Johnny in Green Bay. Did this clown seriously just complain about his wife cooking healthy things, causing him to lose weight, and giving him energy? Then complained that the extra energy should be used to be spent or to spend time with his wife. Hey, Johnny Bag, if you don't like hanging out with your wife, maybe you shouldn't have married her dumbass. Mario, an SF. I want to be clear. He didn't say... He didn't mean you shouldn't have married her dumbass. 
You shouldn't have married her. Dumbass. War two days until Rit ruins everything that is great about the jungle. Rome. I got a beef. See, we're, now we're at the part of the segment where people respond to the earlier beefs. Rome, I got a beef against dog slobber guy. Hey, idiot. I'm sick of you bitching about your mutt. You know how you fix that, right? You get rid of the damn dog. I hate hearing pet owners, pet parents, gripe about their dirty animals. Morons. Brad in the 360, cycling degenerate. Brad, Brad taking that brand someplace else. Okay, let's see what we got here. Let's go to the phones. We go to, who else? Kathleen in Omaha. Kathleen, what is your beef? Every time I had to hear Yoko Ono screechy, so-called singing, I want to stick scissors in my ears. She needs to be sent to Valley of Disease. While there, Johannes will sew her mouth shut. Then she'll get to hear what real singing sounds like. Johannes' voice can be inhuman one minute, pure honey the next. He's still the sexiest man of all time. I like it, Kathleen. (laughs) Kathleen's obsession with Johannes. And him being the sexiest man of all time. Kathleen, your obsession with Johannes is even more annoying than Yoko making these noises. I would rather listen to that, Kathleen, than you ignore me every time I go to you and go right to Johannes and how hot you think he is and how his voice sounds like pure honey. No offense, Kathleen. I bet if Johannes heard your voice, his reaction would not be the same. Let's go to Pearland. Robert in Pearland. Robert, what's your beef? Mr. Jim, my beef is with the NFL. Last year, it was the NFL couldn't define what a reception was or wasn't. This year, they can't spell out what uh, uh, roughing the passer is. What's going to be next? A stinking penalty for an illegal hit by the great equalizer? Mom, get in here. I'm on TV. How bad are these calls compared to the email and social media submissions? What's next? A flag against the great equalizer and then some screaming off in the distance? I, I do not want to walk off on this epic beef segment with a bad call. I'm going to keep trying until I get a good one. Oh, here's one. Let's go to Buffalo. Margo. Margo. Oh. Hello. What's your beef? Well, Jim, my beef is with my family. Today, you know, everybody wants to ride in a new car and everybody wants to drive the new car, but nobody wants to clean the new car. So I pull up to one of those self-wash car wash bays. Vacuum. Ah. That's not a good car. You don't like that car. I don't like that car. Not a very good car. Yeah, but you guys are being hypocrites. Like, Chalk and Alvy are saying they know. She knows. It's the beef segment. Get in, get out. Bam, bam, bam. Except some of those beefs I read are longer than the call she just made. So why is that okay and it's not okay for her? Why did you not give her a chance to finish? 
some of those beefs that I read are much longer than that call. Their argument on the other side of the glasses, they're also much funnier. Well, I don't know. Hello? I think Margot is setting up a punchline. I think Margot is going to get to something funny about those self-wash car washes. What's not hilarious about that? Like I said, this has been an epic beef segment. I can do whatever the hell I want. I can float this segment out. I am not walking off on a bad call. I will keep trying until I get a good one. Let's go to Appleton, Wisconsin. Christopher, what is your beef? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Tough crowd here. Hey, uh, so my beef is with cars, specifically the crack in between the driver's seat and the car console. Uh, my phone drops in there. i got to dig my hand in there, cut it up, trying to get it out. Best if it's maybe plugged in. I can fish it out like I'm playing that uh, magnetic fishing game of my youth. So anyway, how about take some of this engineering, some of these dollars, and instead of having a heat-up steering wheel, a heated cup holder, can we please just put a three-inch... That's not a good cup. No. You don't like that cup. I don't like that cup. Not a very good cup. Man, these cars are ass. Have we not run every single one of them? Have any of them made it to the end? Like, the guy had a pretty good take. It's true. Car cracks? That does suck. I lose things inside that car crack all the time. AirPods, wired pods, my phone, everything. It's a drag. However, if I'm going to beef about that, I'm going to get on a phone that works, and I'm going to be more succinct and just make my point. That beef, that beef was the equivalent of a car crack. You know what I'm saying? That beef about a car crack was a car crack, a beef crack. Come on, man. I will say it yet again. I am not ending this epic beef segment and walking off on a bad call. This may go back to being a four-hour show, but I am not walking off on a bad call. I cannot walk this off on a run call. Let's try Little Rock. Brian in Little Rock. Brian, what's your beef? Hey there, Jim. Uh, my beef is with the NFL officials. So on Sunday night, I watched Brady get yet another roughing the passer call he didn't deserve. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I would be willing to bet that he has more roughing the passer penalty yards than career rushing yards. Look, refs, I get it. I know that Brady looks like he's been torn apart and stitched back together with tight string, but that doesn't mean you need to throw a flag every time he gets so much as breathed on. I'm out, Jim. All right, Brian. Give me an A or give me an F, but don't give me a C minus. He got through it. He got it's aight. The phone calls always are aight. Let's try another one. Let's go to Houston. Jorge. Jorge in H Town. Jorge, what's your beef? What's going on, Romy? Hey, my beef is with the neighborhood cat. We call cat dog. This cat sits on the fence every night and antagonizes all the dogs in the neighborhood. And every now and then, you'll see cat dog come down and give some unsuspecting dog to hands. So now my Shih Tzu won't even come outside to Shih Tzu. My man, Jorge, that's what I'm talking about. Give him a pay-per-view. Give him a pay-per-view, Jorge, you got it. I knew the second I heard that guy's voice, 
he's had kind of a swag to him. I'm like, this guy's going to be funny. This guy's going to be good. This is what I need. Some confidence, some swag. He kind of went with a double entendre. Like, I, I got to be honest. When he was talking about how the neighborhood cat sits on the fence and antagonizes all the neighborhood dogs, I wasn't exactly sure where he was going with that. Like, was that literal or was that figurative? Good night.